I'll tell you something I've learned in, in 22 years of, of doing the work in the church is congregations with leadership tend to thrive. Uh, congregations without leadership do not thrive. And the decisions and choices that you and I make, uh, the thought that we put into these things and the study is going to make a difference for a generation that's not even here yet, a generation that will come and follow after us. And we can make choices, we can put effort to studying these things uh, and being serious about these things. We can make decisions about how we're going to live our lives and we can put these qualities into our lives so that we're a blessing to a generation that's yet to come. And I don't know how you feel, but I really want the generation that follows me to thrive. I don't want the generation that follows me to have to survive the choices that I've made. I'd want them to, th to thrive off those choices. And so whether or not you're a, a deacon or aspire to be a deacon, or you're something who could, uh, someone who can never be a deacon, uh, these things are important not just to you here and now, but they're important for a generation that is to come. The word deacon in the Greek, if you broke it up into the, the root words, it's dia, which means thoroughly, and konos, which means to kick up the dust. And I was telling Beverett about this, and he said, I don't know how much dust I kicked up. I said, well, sometimes we stir up the dust. Uh, but the idea is this person is moving at a rapid pace. It, it implies activity. That's the very base meaning of the word. Thoroughly active is the idea of this word, a deacon or deaconos within the Greek as, it's, as we read. If we were to read the definition, uh, this is from Thayer's. It's one who executes the commands of another, especially of a master, a servant, an attendant, a minister, uh, the next one is the servant of a king. A deacon is one who by virtue of the office assigned to him by the church cares for the poor and has charge of and distributes the money collected for their use. A waiter, one who serves food and drink. It's essentially a person who serves at the discretion of the elders and can serve in, in a, a very wide range of, of activities. And I've, I was trying to think of, of fitting a picture or a diagram, and, and this is what I, the only thing I could think of was the roadrunner. He ran fast and he kicked up the dust and he moved along his way. Uh, the role of a deacon is a role of activity. It is a role of servitude. Uh, looking through the New Testament, we find that the word deacon or deacons appears three times, only in conjunction with the qualities, basically. Uh, also, it's the same Greek word deaconos is translated seven times as servant or servants and 20 times as minister or ministers. And so the idea should be pretty plain to see that deacons are servants or ministers. They are people who work and they obey the commands of those who are over them. And in this case, it would be the elders. Uh, they would serve essentially at the discretion of the elders. And so let's read through these qualifications as in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 8. Uh, there's just a few verses here that describe this work, uh, these qualities, and we're going to look at those. He says in 1 Timothy 3 verse 8, Likewise must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, 
not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience, and let these also first be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon, being found blameless. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. For they that have used the office of deacon well purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. And so we're going to go through these qualities and we're going to figure out what they mean. We're going to think on these things and look at them. Uh, I found this chart, which I feel like is really good, uh, and it de describes in a really good way church leadership roles and qualifications. And you'll notice you have elder in this circle. You have deacon in this circle. And some of these qualities overlap. There are a number of qualities that are true for both elder and deacon, such as husband of one wife. That's true for the elder and for the deacon. Uh, you might notice, though, able to teach or apt to teach would only fall under the elder. It doesn't fall under the deacon. And holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience falls specifically to deacon and not to elder. And so uh, I think this is a good chart, and I printed off a hundred of these, and they're still sitting at home on the counter. And so one of these days I'll bring them when my memory kicks in, but uh, that, not today. Uh, but anyway... Their, their roles are different. Deacon being a servant, elder being a shepherd, a, an overseer. Deacon being a waiter or a person who serves is the idea. So let's look at the first quality, which is grave. That's a word we don't really use uh, to describe a person today. But it basically means a man of character, an honorable person. Uh, it's pretty... A, a, used, a word that essentially means honor. The word gravity includes how other people uh, look at you and notice your behavior. Uh, it means behaving with dignity, with respectability. Uh, if you consistently live your life in a way that is respectful and honorable, then people are going to respect you and they're going to honor you. Uh, Another passage that's interesting is Philippians 4 verse 8 which says finally brethren whatsoever things are true whatsoever things are honest this is the same uh, Greek word as grave that we read in 1 Timothy. So being honest, being honorable, being trustworthy is the idea. We're looking for a man who is grave who is respectable, honorable and trustworthy. The second one is not double tongue. This basically means you don't say one thing to one person and say something different to another person. In the Greek, it literally means speaking the same thing twice and the second time it's deceitfully. So being double-tongued is to speak out of both sides of your mouth is how we would say that today. A deacon must be a man who can be relied on for the truth of what they say and be a man who can be relied on to fulfill his word. When he says, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to take care of this, he has to be the kind of man uh, who would do that. Uh, another interesting thing about double-tongued is this is the only place this uh, word appears uh, in the New Testament. <clears throat> Thirdly, not given to much wine. Uh, 
And this, this passage or this phrase means he, he cannot be a man who has the habit of drinking alcohol. He cannot be addicted uh, to alcohol. It, it, it not only means addicted to, to alcohol, but it can also mean that if you are under the influence of alcohol, you're abusive and hostile. Uh, but basically, it means that this man can't habitually drink alcohol. Number four is greedy of filthy lucre. Uh, lucre is a word that's only used in conjunction with elders and deacons. In other places in the Bible, it will just talk about greed or covetousness. Uh, you might recall uh, we're told you can't serve God and mammon. And mammon would be wealth or riches. But lucre is a word that's only prescribed to elders and deacons. And it means basically you're not willing to cheat to gain money. You have to be a person who is not covetous. Uh, you have to be a person who is who's honest and open about money. In John chapter 12, beginning of verse 4, Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's sons, which should betray him, Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. It goes without saying that Judas would not have made a good deacon because he, he was a greedy man. And deacon's work tends to have to do with money and oversight of money. <clears throat> Number five, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. This simply means he has a very solid understanding and he firmly believes the New Testament, doc New Testament doctrines and teachings. Uh, holding the mystery of the faith indicates that he understands the gospel and the principles of the New Testament church and he firmly holds to those doctrines. And the reason why this is important is because a deacon is going to have a lot of influence within the church. He's going to interact with a lot of people within the church and if he doesn't hold to the doctrines of the New Testament or he holds to some false doctrine, this could have a terrible impact upon the church. And so he's got to grasp the, the teachings and the doctrines of the New Testament. Number six says, let these also first be proved. He must be a man who has some experience and has shown he is a capable individual. He has kept his word. He's been given some task. He has proved that he is trustworthy in some way. In Acts chapter 6, a lot of people believe that, that Acts 6 was the first instance where deacons were appointed within the church. They're not called deacons in Acts chapter 6. Uh, but in this passage, there was a problem. There were some women who were being neglected. There were people who were getting food. They were giving them food every day. And there were some ladies who were being left out. And so they asked the church to look for men who could help with this. And in Acts 6 verse 3, he says, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, uh, which lines up with the idea of gravity, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, who we may appoint over this business. They were going to look out at the congregation and they were going to find men that they knew were trustworthy. And this is the same idea that we have on let these first be proved. There are some times you have people within a congregation who aren't trustworthy. We, we all have different talents and abilities. Sometimes as we grow into Christ, our trustworthiness grows with us. But they were going to, not, they were going to look for men of honest report, not men who didn't take care of business. Uh, 
Deacons have got to be men who have proven that they have abilities and they're willing to use those abilities. 1 Corinthians 13, 3, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. It's the same Greek word here, uh, shall try every man's work. Number seven, being found blameless. A man of truth, honesty, and purity, general uprightness uh, is the definition of blameless. It is the Greek word uh, 410 if you use strongs and it means unaccused. Uh, there's a lot of misunderstandings with most people when, when we talk about elders or deacons and the idea of blameless. It doesn't mean that you're a person who has never messed up. Uh, if that were true, then there would never be any men anywhere who could ever serve as elders or deacons because all men mess up. The idea is that he's not accused. There's not a lot of accusations floating around the man. I saw him last week. He was drunk. I saw him coming out of the bar. I heard he stole old Widow Baker's uh, piggy bank when he was helping paint her house. Those are accusations that would not be good. And so this man has lived a, in general, good life. He's a true, honest man, a pure man. It's not that he has no faults. It's just he's pretty well got his act together. <clears throat> then we change gears just a little bit, and we're going to look at the wife. And I believe uh, these next few passages apply not only to the wife of a deacon, but they apply to a wife of an elder. And if you were to go back up in the chapter, 1 Timothy chapter 3, you'll notice the, the elders' uh, qualifications are there, and we'll get to them in, in, in a couple of more studies. But these are going to be things that pertain to the spouse of a deacon. His wife's wife must be grave. That's exactly the same word as used before. She's an honorable person, uh, dignified, respectable uh, it's the kind of person that she is. And I won't go over that in a whole lot more detail because I think that's been covered. Uh, secondly, his wife is not a slanderer. Uh, not a wife who gossips or falsely accuse, accuses others. This word uh, slanderer is a very strong word that's used for, for one as the name of the devil. Uh, in fact, in Revelations 12... The great dragon, he says, was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And so the word accuser there is the same word as slander that... The deacon's wife cannot be a woman who says things that she shouldn't say. She has to guard her tongue. There's going to be knowledge that a deacon has about things that go on in the church, the business of the church. There's, there's things that happen that, that, that cannot be made public. And this woman has to be a woman who holds her tongue and is very careful about what she says or what she doesn't say. Number 10, his wife is sober. Uh, she must be of sound mind. She must be prudent. I mean, we typically think of sober as just not drunk, which it has that idea, but it also means that she is of a sound mind. She is a prudent woman. Uh, sober is a very broad term. 
Uh, it means serious-minded, self-controlled. It also can mean watchful uh, as well as not drunk. And there's a really good passage, I think, that, that describes this or shows it. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 13, it says, For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. And you might say, well, how does that describe that? Uh, well, you've probably seen someone who was angry or frightened, and we would say, well, she's just beside herself. And the meaning is lost control, lost control of emotion, lost control of the mind, or lost control of those thoughts. Uh, sober would be the opposite of being beside ourselves. And so this person is sound of mind. They don't get rattled easily. They don't get excited easily. They don't get angry easily. But they're serious about things that are godly. Uh, it doesn't mean you can't be a happy or jolly person. It means that you are very serious and your mind is firm. Uh, you don't let your mind run away with you. Eleven, his wife, he says, is faithful in all things. She must be faithful to her husband, to her family, to God, and equally to the church. She must be a woman, once again a very broad term, uh, that does her duty to her family, does her duty to her husband, and, and cares for the church, cares for God. Uh, this word faithful is translated many times as trustworthy, and it means faithful in the execution of commands or discharge of duties. And I will tell you this, there is no deacon who serves whose wife does not aid and help him with that service. It, it's a big part of this service, and this these qualifications are there that fall upon the wife and there are some that fall upon the family that equip this man to be able to serve faithfully and his wife's got to be at his side and help with that. So now we're going to go back with number 12 to the qualifications of the deacon and he must be a husband of one wife. Uh, essentially in the Greek this means a one woman man. Uh, not a polygamist, not a womanizer. And there's been a lot of difficulty over the years in this passage. There's a very, uh, there's a parallel passage when it comes to elders. He has to be a husband of one wife. And there's been a lot of discussion and arguments, and I couldn't cover them all, on can he be a divorced man? Can he be a man whose wife has died and he has married again, all the way up to polygamy and all those things? And I think the simplest way uh, to understand what I believe the Bible is teaching is that he is a one-woman man. He is devoted to his wife. And he always has been devoted to his wife. Uh, and I'm going to use 1 Timothy 5 verse 9 to try to illustrate this. Uh, we're going to look at a very similar phrase. You'll notice here at the bottom, the wife of one man. Now I want you to back up. We're talking about a widow. And I don't know if you're aware, but a widow can be cared for by the church. In fact, the church can take a widow in and we can pay uh, for her needs. We can pay for her food. We can pay for her health care. We can care for her completely uh, if she is three score years old. Notice what he says in 1 Timothy 5 verse 9. Let not a widow be taken into the number under threescore years old, having been the wife of one man. Well, 
If husband of one wife means he can only have one wife, in other words, if his first wife died and he now has a second wife, then he cannot be an elder or a deacon. If that's true, then a widow whose first husband died and she was faithful to him and she marries again and the second husband dies and she's now 60 years old or older and she can't care for herself, then the church couldn't take care of her either. And I don't believe that's true. I believe she's devoted to the first husband. She's a one-man woman. She loves her first husband and maybe he dies in an accident or, or he has a disease. And then she marries again. She's still a one-woman man. I, she's not a man at all. She's still a one-man woman. Stick with me, I'm trying. She was devoted for her husband while she had him, and he died, and now he, she's devoted to the next husband. She's a one-man woman. And so I, there can be a man whose who's first wife commits adultery and cheats on him, and he is devoted to her, and faithful to her, and they divorce. And then he marries another lady and is devoted to her and faithful to her, and he's, he's the husband of one wife. He's a man who is dedicated. And I think that's the qualification. There'll probably be a few people may disagree with that, but that's my understanding, and I've, I've got to teach it the way I understand it. Thirteen, this man has to rule... Their children and their own house as well. A deacon must have control of his family. His family must honor him and obey him. Uh, in other words, the family has to be well managed. The children have to be faithful to their parents. Uh, the children can't be out running wild and tearing up the town and the dad not able to control them. <clears throat> Titus puts it this way, if any man be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of right or unruly. The father has to rule the children. Uh, this in Titus is a qualification for an elder. 1 Timothy 3 verse 13, For they that have used the office of a deacon well, purchase to themselves a good degree, and great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Uh, this good degree uh, in the Greek means a grade of dignity. God looks at a man who serves as a deacon and who does his job well as a very valuable person. It's a very dignified thing. God looks on it with great respect and it shows or should show to us a degree of value that God places in the office. Uh, it, service is very valuable to God, always has been. In fact, Jesus said, if any man will be chief, let him be your servant. And so we certainly all ought to have the attitude of being a servant. I want to help you. I want to serve you. How can I be of some assistance to you in your Christian walk? 
Because deacons are servants to the church and therefore they serve not only at the discretion of the elders, but they serve every person that's here. And their job is to help us all to go to heaven. That's what the, that's what the task is. I want to go to heaven. And we want you to go to heaven. We don't want anyone to be lost. And the deacons help with that management. The, the shepherds oversee this work and they give the deacons different tasks from time to time. And the, the work of a deacon, as I understand it, is to kick up the dust and in obedience to that task, and fulfilling that task and that work. <clears throat> so in the sight of God, the man who serves as a deacon is a very honorable and dignified individual. What do these qualities say about a man? He has his life in order. Uh, he's mature. He's wise. He's a good family man, and he has proved he has the heart of a servant. That's a very general way of putting it. He's got his life in order. He's a Christian man. He's mature. He loves the church and he wants to serve. He's willing to serve. That's the study of the morning. I, I wouldn't say it's maybe the most exciting. I, it's not a sermon that's designed to necessarily convict you in your heart. I haven't taught these things today to try to to uh, kick our deacons in the pants. Uh, that's not the idea at all. The idea is we need to give these things thought because in not too long in the future, we're, we're going to collectively, as we read in Acts chapter 6, we're going to think about the men in the congregation and we're hoping to ordain additional deacons. Uh, the, the deacons that we have have done a good work. Uh, some are getting older. And if time carries on, some of them won't be here. And we just we need to replace those men. As the church goes on, we're going to need additional elders. Those men are going to need to be replaced. T time demands it. And so the idea is this is a good opportunity. And if you want to serve as a deacon, I would encourage you to study these things. And if you need to make changes in your life, then change them. Change those things in your life where that you can serve and be a blessing. And to God, it's a person of high degree, of great importance.